everyone. Welcome to the Gentle Parents Unite weekly podcast from Gentle Parents Unite Becoming Gentle with Sujai Johnston, Vivek Patel, and me, Margie Zeus. So grab yourself a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or hot cocoa, whatever you love. Make sure you have a notebook and a pencil so you can jot down your thoughts and questions. Sit back and enjoy. Gentle Parents Unite podcast. I'm here today. Um, it's me, Sujai, and I'm here today with my friend and colleague, Vivek Patel. Hi, Sujai. How are you today? I'm doing good. How are you doing today, Vivek? Uh, I'm doing good, too. Thank you. Awesome. And we were going to talk today a little bit about letting go of control and leaning into relationships. And we also wanted to kind of talk about current affairs a little bit and helping to balance our households when everybody's home and under a particular amount of pressure and stress. So would you like to get us started today, Vivek? Sure, absolutely. Those those two topics are so related, right? I, I feel like they're so related because now that so many of us are going to be spending a lot more time with our kids, having a reliable and stable relationship is going to be so important. Yes, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And uh, I was taught uh, people who like for me, I mean, I'm home all the time with my kids, so it's not that much of a change, actually. Um, but for a lot of people, it really is, you know, and uh, and I'm seeing a lot of posts these days from parents that are struggling with their kids and um, kids are, uh, you know, like rebelling and not listening and all that kind of stuff. And um, and when that starts to when that starts to progress and and left unchecked um it 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 amplifies and it keeps amplifying you know all throughout the years and uh and it just keeps getting worse and worse because what happens is uh the way it often goes is when a parent um like exerts control or does something to the the kid that they don't that the kid doesn't like um and it causes them stress or it causes them to feel judged or it causes them to feel controlled the kid will um, put a bit of a shield around their heart, put a bit of a shield around their uh, the way they listen to their parents. And you can often see that when you're if you're lecturing your kids or trying to tell them something, you can almost see the words bouncing off their heads sometimes, right? And uh, and it bounces off and it doesn't go in. And then and that's when we have to raise our voice a little. Or we feel we have to raise our voice a little bit. We feel we have to to push and to to control them even more. I laugh a little bit when you say you can almost see the words bouncing off their heads because there's definitely certain times when you can just see on their faces that they are not taking in anything we're saying. Totally, <laughs> you know, and uh, and and that's that's a path that's that just keeps spiraling downwards, you know, um, because then what happens is we we as parents would get more tight and more frustrated, and so then we act in a less connected manner, and the less connected manner or the more aggressive, let's say less connected, sometimes it's more aggressive, um, then that ends up causing them to pull away more, which causes us to have to try and get more controlling. And it just it just spirals out of control. Um, and, and a lot of the times, kids really tune their parents out, you know. 
and it doesn't take a long time like like it sounds like i'm talking about a teenager but i'm even talking about two-year-olds that are like this you know two-year-olds who uh who will uh you know they won't listen and they'll do the, the exact thing you told them not to and they'll run and do it and then they'll laugh at you and then they'll try and do it again even if you try and explain it to them i often talk about how parents often say well i say no but i'll say no because because i'll give them the reason why um, and but then they say it doesn't work and it's not surprising because I often say that when kids hear no at that point what happens is they it's hard for them to keep processing you know because they're uh, suddenly we're an obstacle we're not a part we're not a partner uh, in their in their journey and in their process we're an obstacle and so it's hard for them to listen and it's hard for them to tune in and so the no because often sounds like instead of what we would say is no because if you do that, it's going to make a big mess and it's going to be difficult for people and, or somebody might get hurt if they step on the thing or you have to brush your teeth to keep your teeth safe. They, you, whatever it is, and we say that, no, you can't skip brushing your teeth because we have to keep your teeth clean. No, you can't. And what happens is um, what they hear is no because just like the Charlie Brown teacher. This is what I was thinking, just like the adults on Charlie Brown. <laughs> right, right. You read my mind. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And it's a it's a true thing. It really happens. And um, even as adults, when we feel like somebody's lecturing us or trying to um, instill their values in us in order to modify our behavior or change something that we've decided we want to do, a lot of times we're just not interested and we begin to tune it out for our own protection. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I think I was like six or seven the first time I ran away from home, you know. Um, and it was because I, I didn't want to be coerced. I didn't want to be controlled. You know, at six at six years old, I was like, I, I deserve to be treated with respect and <laughs> with dignity, you know. And, uh, and kids know this. They know this. And <clears throat> what happens when they feel pressured, um, they either will... Um, they either will start to resist and the resistance just keeps amplifying, especially when they when when they realize that they can take anything that you can dish out to them um, and they and they don't care. Uh, I remember my my mom telling me about how she once uh, my my sister swore and she went to wash her mouth out with soap because that's what she had been told you have to do. Right. And she didn't really wash her mouth out with soap. She just touched it to her lips because my mom was really trying to be a gentle parent. She just didn't know what she was doing. But she had the instincts, right? But she did this thing and she still regrets She regrets it to this day. I imagine. Yeah, for sure. And my daughter, my sister, see, I said my daughter, my sister, uh, the story is that she, she, after she did it, she put her hands on her hips and she looked my mom square in the eye and she went, that didn't even taste bad. <laughs> <laughs> she's like bring it come on <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and um and you know uh and this is what happens right and so and then and and so like i ran away more than once my sister ran away and kids uh, and kid if the, and the if the kids aren't running away externally or resisting externally then sometimes what they have happens is they they become more compliant but compliant is not cooperation those two things are very different on the surface, they might look similar, but cooperation is something that increases in connection and depth and relationship throughout the years. But compliance is something that degrades relationship because 
Compliance is under duress. You know, it doesn't come from a loving relationship. It doesn't come from caring about the, the home and the environment. It doesn't come from having an empathetic um, relationship with your parents and feeling seen by them. And it doesn't come from those things. And so, um, and so uh, letting go, the, the thing is, if we can learn to let go of con more and more control all the time, our kids start to feel more and more supported by us. But it's really hard. It's really hard, when, especially when we come from a traditional mindset. Even if we're trying to do gentle parenting, but then we have rules, and if you, and if the, if you have these rules and limits, and if the kid breaks the rule and limit, then there's a consequence. Even if the consequence is an emotional consequence of just being frustrated and upset, it's still an emotional consequence because suddenly they're feeling kind of separated from us, right? And when they feel that way, again, they can't tune into us, they can't connect with us, they don't want to listen to us, and the cycle continues. And we see it time and time and time again. And that's why it's really so important when you are finding yourself in a power struggle with your kids, it's really important to really look at how can you release um, some of the control that you are holding over them and turn towards um, really helping them feel that you're wanting to collaborate with them. And I know that if they're lying and they're stealing and they're cheating or they're hitting or they're running away or they're breaking curfew or whatever, it feels, um, it feels like you've got to get control. But that is just going to be something that spirals out of control and you're going to lose them and you're going to lose your relationship and they're going to end up doing what they want to do anyways, especially as they grow up. And the key to letting go of control is really setting a foundation now, even though it's more difficult. Um, setting a foundation now that will last throughout all those difficult years. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I, I'm curious. Um, I have some thoughts myself, but I was wondering what tips you might give to parents for letting go of control. Um, if a parent was saying, okay, well, I hear what you're saying and I want to give it a try, but I just don't really know where to start or what to do. Um, and... I have this fear, <laughs> this fear that if I let go of control, then everything's going to spiral out of control. So what, what um, tips and ideas would you give them to manage their own feelings going through this and to help them um, get comfortable with the idea a little bit? For sure. That's such a great question, Sujai. Thank you. Um, you know, one thing I would suggest is, uh, is to start small and start slow you know uh, and by that i mean like pick one area that you're having a struggle with a power regular power struggle with your kids and instead of trying to control and force it you can sit down and say listen um, i have a need around this issue and you have a need around this issue and i haven't been respecting your need in the way that i want to and it's been making you feel it's been making you feel bad and uh, and i don't want to do that anymore i want us to find a way that we can really work together on this thing um, so that both of us feel like we're really um, being heard and we're really having our needs met, or at least tended to. Um, can you talk that way to a two-year-old? Absolutely. You know, um, if they, if it, if it, at any, it really works at any age. And if you feel, um, it, maybe the sentences have to be shorter and the words have to be less complicated, but the idea that you want to work together on something, it really makes a big difference. Sometimes parents are ready to like release control altogether and they just like let it all go. But that can be really overwhelming because then the kids um, have quite a big reaction to that. And it takes some time to develop new patterns. But if you're 
wanting to make a change. So like, let's say, um, let's say it's homework, for example, because homework is a big one, uh, especially now that a lot of parents are going to be working uh, school, homeschooling or uh, kids are doing uh, online learning at home. Homework is destined to become a contentious issue at home. So let's say homework is one issue. You say, okay, homework is something that I know there's, is, it's, it's often a struggle. It's going to be a struggle. Let me pick that one. Yes, yes. That's a um, wonderful choice of topic right now, definitely, with the current state of affairs and everybody closing down and going into um, quarantine and isolation. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, uh, and kids feel a lot of pressure around homework, right? So then there's a tendency for them to want to push back also. And, uh, and that's, why, um, that's why it's a great one to, to, to start with. But I'm just like picking it as an example. It could be any number of things. You, you kind of have to like tune into what, where, where's an area where your kid's feeling a lot of pressure from you, they're resisting you. Um, and then like really just find a time where you're connected, maybe over a bowl of ice cream or something. Uh, and, uh, and, and find a way to, to just have that conversation, you know, that you want to find a way to work together. You recognize that what you've been doing, and this is the thing, right? Part of it is the, the humility to be able to say, I recognize that what I've been doing hasn't been working for us and it's been causing problems for the two of us. And I want to change the way that I'm approaching this situation. And here's what I think. I think that we can come up with a solution where both of us feel really good about it. What can we do? And then listen to their ideas, you know really listen really deeply to their ideas because once they once you ask a kid for their ideas sometimes kids will say i don't know this is a common thing but um but if they well, once you ask a kid for their ideas and they believe you really want to hear it um they, they can be very creative when kids say i don't know a lot of the time there's a couple of things that happen one of the things is they may not have the words to go along with the feelings and the ideas that they have that's one thing and so then uh, when they say i don't know that's when we can uh, kind of help them find the words for what they what they're thinking what they're feeling by asking questions by making suggestions um, but not suggestions that with an expectation suggestions to say like what about this and what about that and how does that make you feel the second thing i don't about i don't know is um, if kids aren't used to having their um, their opinion asked it's going to be hard for them to believe it at first right and that's where we have to take a little bit of time to really and when i say time i mean like a number of conversations where we go to them um, where we take off the control with this thing and we, uh, and we really want to talk to them. So for example, um, if you're going to, and then what I call this, I call this creating a collaborative agreement. And we did, a, I did a whole, uh, one of the podcasts that we did, I gave a whole talk on collaborative agreements and a, colla a collaborative agreement is when you all come together and you try and problem solve together. I think that a really important point of, um, getting back to the episode about collaborative problem solving, because really when there's a when we say that our kids aren't listening it's because we're still on our own agenda and we're trying to tell our kids or get our kids to do things where um it's not coming from that intrinsic motivation where the child is feeling motivated to do things through their own means um which interestingly is scary as it is to let go of control, um, that intrinsic motivation really comes organically when, um, when we're able to lean into the relationship and let go of control a little bit.
Yeah, so true. And as you said before, it's scary to do that, right? Because, um, you know, control is, if control is all we've really known, it's hard to let go of it. And even if we've let go a bunch compared to what, how we were brought up, there's always a tendency to hold a little bit of that control. And, uh, and kids, they know when they're being controlled, you know, they know it and they feel it. Um, and, uh, and, and, they, and they resist it, you know, and that's why I say that if they're not used to you really asking them for their ideas, they might just say, I don't know. And if you can really help them believe that you want to know over time, they'll start to really uh, share. And so with something like homework, you might, you might say, listen, I've been pressing you to do homework all this time. And, uh, and, and it's caused, uh, you know, a lot of tension between us. And what I'd like to do is let go of that tension and figure out how you can do the amount of homework that, you know, that feels good to you and I can help you with it. And uh, how can we work together to get this homework uh, done in a way that feels good to both of us? And then you kind of like figure that out. And it might mean that they do less homework. It might mean that. Um, but, uh, but what you're not doing is you're not destroying, you're not destroying their relationship with homework, first of all. And, uh, and, and then you're, and you're also not degrading your relationship with them because when we push and push and push our kids to do homework, and so many parents do that for years and years and years, it just puts such a strain on the relationship, you know, and then kids just can't wait to get out of the house when they're older. And we see that so often, you know, mm. and it's very different. It's very different. Like Veets, uh, when we record, we, uh, a couple of episodes ago, we, we, uh, interviewed my, my kid who's now about uh, going to be 23 in a month from now. Um, and she said she always felt like home was her safety box. Didn't matter what was happening outside in the world. She knew when she came home that she could be herself and that she was accepted and that she could, uh, that she'd be respected. And she always felt like it was her safe place. And she carried that safety with her everywhere that she went. And that my friends is worth so much. Um, when you compare it to the kind of things that we normally want to control our kids around. Yes, I loved so much that she said that. That was such a beautiful way to explain the way that she felt safe and secure within her home. And, you know, um, I think that letting go of control, for me, I think that a really big piece of the puzzle is to lean into the teachings of Alfie Cohn and um, Punished by Rewards is a really good book, as is um, The Unconditional Parenting. And really lean into noticing the manipulation that is so present. Will you close the door, please, sweetie? Noticing the manipulation that is present in um, so many of our everyday interactions, including in our adult relationships. And when we can learn how to lean into those teachings and let go of that control and let go of manipulative tactics, um, particularly in our adult relationships, as well as in our adult to child relationships. Um, it, it takes us to a new level of understanding and compassion and reason. And I think I've said this before, that that which we fear, um, if we don't take the time to explore the fear, the very things that we're doing to avoid that which we fear can sometimes perpetuate the fear coming into existence. So for example, um, let's say that, you know, we have a teenager that's sneaking out of the house and that's really a scary thing. So we're, um, 
putting more restrictions on them and keeping a better eye on them and they're sneaking out more and they're lying and um the action of continuing to put restrictions and to locking down on that control it can actually cause them to want to push back more and continue to with this broken connection sneak out of the house where if you can lean into the connection and collaboratively problem solve and be like okay well you really want to go out of the house what what is your reasoning are you going to see friends are you doing you know um is there a way that we can facilitate that so that there's no sneaking going on can we do that with some healthy boundaries around that um is what they're doing fairly innocent besides the sneaking out um you know how can we as parents facilitate them having a life beyond the home and meeting whatever need it is um that they're trying to meet when they're sneaking out at night um, and creating safe space so that instead of sneaking out at night, um, they can ask for a ride to where it is that they want to go. Um, you know, with my own children, my own teenagers, you know, they would always ask me for a ride to where they wanted to go and being respectful of the fact that, you know, I like my sleep. They would always ask me for a ride home by a decent hour. And um, there weren't too many times when, any sneaking around really happened and even then we were able to talk about it and lean into it and find solutions that seemed fair and safe and um so when we lean into the relationship and let go of control what's left is an area for us to do exactly um what vivek likes to call collaboratively problem solve and find solutions to whatever situation it is, whether you're dealing with teens sneaking out of the house or you're dealing with two-year-olds um, sneaking the candy out of the cupboard or whatever it might be where these behaviors are coming up. If we can open that up, and that's another interesting thing when we talk about like the candy in the cupboard, I have pretty much no food restrictions on my children when they're hungry they eat they ask for food and i feed them if they want something sweet they get something sweet if they want something salty they get something salty and they choose for themselves very balanced diets and you know don't generally tend sometimes i'll get something that's really good and my four-year-old just can't help but to keep going back and going back but um, for the most part, they don't tend to binge eat, binge eat things or to only eat sweets or um, anything like that. They choose for themselves balanced diets because there's no restrictions around food. It's a there's food in the house. It's an open cupboard cupboard policy. You know, um, if they're hungry, they eat. And um, it seems that if we win we put restrictions on things and we start to say, well, no, you can't have that. Then we're dealing with meltdowns and disconnections in the relationship. And then the child begins to sneak where the less restrictions we have, the less taboo things are, then everything's just kind of flowing as the way that they would flow within a home. If that makes sense. What are your thoughts on that? It does make sense. Actually, I have a question for you <clears throat> um, because you actually are like my kid's 23. So my when I talk about young kids, it's a bit of a distant memory for me, <laughs> but you've got young ones that you're working with. How do you respond to the parents that say because because it's on every post where someone talks about food restrictions. Um, how do you respond to the parents that say you don't know my kid 
my kid would eat sweets all day long. It's the only thing they would ever eat. You don't know my kid. That wouldn't work with my kid. Now, the reason I mention this is because it's not just one or two people who say that. So many people say it. It's really a very common thing, which means, um, which means there's a lot of people out there who, who feel that about their kids. And yet, there's so many people doing this collaborative style where it's working really well for them. Um, so how do you respond to that uh, when, when parents like have trouble trusting that that's going to be it's going to be OK? You know, Vivek, I feel like that really goes back to what I was just talking about, how, um, you know, the actions we take to stop that which we fear perpetuates that which we fear coming into existence. So we're putting those restrictions on food in the home. Um, it can often lead to sneaking and then it can lead to greater restrictions by the parent, um, even parents going as far as putting alarms and locking down foods and things like that. And then the child sneaking more and more and getting more and more good at getting that candy. And I was actually raised in a home that had very limited sugar. <laughs> and I remember some of my earliest memories were sneaking candy. I think we've talked about that in other podcasts before. And, you know, one thing that I would really warn about control <laughs> is that when you no longer have control, as our children grow, we have less and less control. When we have a baby, we control everything that goes into their body. We change their diapers. We, you know, and as they grow, they get more and more autonomy. And as that autonomy grows and they're going to school and they're not around us, they um, have extracurricular activities and they're riding home with friends and, you know, they grow and grow and they get into the teenage years. Um, our control, um, it, we lose that control over time as our child grows and that's the natural course of things, right? So when we lose that control that we have, then that which we fear can come into play even more. So if we've been limiting sugar, um, as was my personal experience, limiting sugar my entire life, um, it took me probably three or four years to self-regulate with sugar once I was, um, you know, a teenager and able to acquire sugar <laughs> when I was at friends' houses and out and about and stuff like that. And um, it took me quite a few years to self-regulate and balance sugar as part of a healthy, rounded, balanced diet. And so um, if we can lean into how we're feeling inside of our bodies, sometimes a warm brownie from the oven is a comfort food. <laughs> In fact, during this turn of current events, I thought, you know, I'm going to be sequestered in a very small space <laughs> with my children and my mom for a couple of weeks here. And I want to make sure that it's cozy. And I certainly bought some extra sweet treats. I got us some brownies so that we can some brownie mix so that we can have hot mixed brownies and some pie and ice cream so we can have pie and ice cream one night and um you know certainly we'll have the comfort foods like chicken soup as well but sometimes it's nice to have that variety in diet and think about it in a positive way as opposed to a negative thing where we're worried about all of these terrible effects that sugar could possibly have. Um, 
And in life, most things are part of a very balanced ecostructure of what your life is and your lifestyle is and how things fit into your lifestyle. But the more we find balance with things, whether that's sugar or screens or um, autonomy or whatever it is that you're struggling with, with your children and they're sneaking and possibly lying. Um, if we can just lean back into that relationship and try to reconnect and see what the underlying needs are, because if we really see behavior as needs, opposed to seeing, you know, behavior as this terrible thing, if we can see the emotions that are feeling the behavior and what's behind the behavior and the things that the person who's experiencing the behavior is going through, we can be much more empathetic to problem solving. And problem solving is one of the greatest skills that you can give your children in life. Um, it's something they can carry into the workplace. It's something they can carry into their adult relationships. It's something that will help to keep them safe and protect them throughout their lives. Yeah, I totally hear that, Sujai. It's just... Uh... It's that thing, that thing you say about, um, about what the reactions that we have to fear, the things that we fear create the very thing itself. I just love that so much. I see that in my own life a lot. You know, I see that when I operate from fear, um, uh, so often I end up creating, like you say, I can end up creating the very thing I, um, I, I'm fearing. I mean, I, 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 the reason I think part of that is um, that when I operate from fear, I'm operating from a place of tension, I'm operating from trying to stop something happen or make something happen. And when you're either trying to stop something or make something, it's, it's there's like a, a, an aggressiveness to it, a harshness to it. Um, it's very different than flowing with, you know, flowing with. And it's kind of like, I talk about this a lot, it's kind of like martial arts. You know, in martial arts, if so, I've been doing martial arts for over 30 years now. If somebody's trying to punch at you, you don't, you don't block it with like um, force on force. You try and guide it. You try and avoid it. You try and uh, deflect it, and uh, or you try, and any and, and in the higher levels of martial arts, you merge with it, which is even, um, you know, which is even more than just blocking or guiding. You merge with it, and the other person fall, falls on the ground. They don't even know why. And uh, I used to do that to my students all the time, and they just look at me like, "What did you do?" <laughs> and and uh, it's such a great feeling when you do that. To be honest, that's one of the reasons I love martial arts so much. And uh, and it's with, and with kids it's very much the same, you know. If we can really get in tune with them, in tune with how they're thinking, how they're feeling, how they process things, um, which is very different from trying to control, try to control them. Uh, when we get into that state with them, it opens up a whole different way of of relating with them, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely, and. It's so amazing and enhancing to reach that level with all of our relationships, be they, um, you know, adult relationships or parent-child relationships. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think that's a beautiful thing to, to reflect on also is like, um, you know, like coming from a place inside of us where it's our own values that we're operating from, then those op both values do um they do extend to all the different relationships that we have, you know. If collaboration is a value, if communication is a value, if deep listening and cooperation is a value, then let that, let that value be how you walk in the world. Because then you're a beautiful model for your kids too. 
because uh, they're watching how we interact with other people. They're watching how we how we treat ourselves. Uh, they're watching how we interact with our own environment. They're always watching. You know, I saw that in my in my kid early. I'm glad that I saw that in my kid early on. I was very fortunate that I was able to see that. And I was like, she's she knows every thought I think, and she sees all of it, and she feels all of it. And I started to realize that um, for, for me to to be an effective guide to her and an effective model to her, um, I had to really pay a lot of attention to myself and my choices and stuff. And that's why when we shift from control to collaboration, when we shift from trying to make them do things or stop them from doing things to partnering with them and learning about life, uh, it's a challenging transition. And at the same time, it's an incredibly empowering transition. And so, uh, you know, if you're listening to this and you're having some power struggles or your kids aren't listening um, and, and, they're, and it's, they're not really like opening to your guidance, consider letting go of some of the, consider, first of all, consider being honest with yourself about where you are controlling them, like you mentioned earlier, right? Really being honest with yourself, really looking at it. Looking, instead of looking for where you're not controlling because you want to feel like you're a good parent, Accept that we're, you're not a good parent or a bad parent. Like everyone, you're an evolving parent. You're always evolving, always learning. And being on that, a, a continuous learning path, you can look honestly at yourself. Where am I controlling? Where am I having trouble um, letting go and trusting? And then when you really accept that and you look at it, then you can start to make those shifts. And then your relationships will start to make those shifts. And I think that that's a really beautiful thing. And so we're going to just take a short break, uh, a short musical interlude right now, and we'll be back in a minute. And then when we come back, we're going to just talk a little bit about um, our, how to manage our feelings about all the stuff that's happening with the coronavirus and uh, being at home and all the social isolation um, and that kind of stuff. So we'll be right back. Thank you. and I are going to discuss a little bit about the state of current affairs and um, I saw a meme on Facebook the other day it said something to the effect that what's happening right now is going to become an, an inner core of our children's experience and their life and the way we respond as parents is more important than ever because the way we respond as parents is really going to show them a lot about how we come together as community, how we, um, how we manage hard times, how we protect our loved ones. Um, we will be sharing through modeling a lot of our values and a lot of our coping skills. And so in this time when things are really uncertain, um, we've never really seen anything of this magnitude. We have never seen anything of this magnitude in my lifetime. Um, I think there was a similar outbreak back in 1957, my mom was telling me. Um, but this is, you know, kind of a first time event for us where it's this worldwide magnitude where the world is grinding to a halt and a lot of things are uncertain. Jobs are uncertain. Um, 
shipping routes, shipping lines are uncertain, um, whether or not somebody's going to get sick, whether or not we're going to lose a loved one is uncertain. And as parents, we're going to be experiencing a lot of anxiety and um, clearly we have a lot of fears about paying our bills and managing our businesses how we're managing all of that outwardly with our children is really important in this formative thing that's happening within their lifetimes. Do you have any thoughts on that, Vivek? Yeah, I do. I, I, I had this, I saw this, uh, I saw this meme on Facebook by Pamela Leo, um, who I really respect her stuff. And she, uh, she said that one of the most important things we can do with our kids right now is play. And that um, playing with them helps them feel like um, they can is one of the most effective ways to help them feel like things are going to be okay. Because if they they express themselves through play and through curiosity and through creativity so profoundly, um, that if we can tune into to that spirit of play with them, it really it really helps them feel uh, regulated and connected and safe. And of course, that's hard when we ourselves are feeling stressed or, cons or concerned or, you know, fear. I myself have gone through some fear responses through all of this, you know, and had to do a lot of inner work to kind of find my center again. And, uh, and so then in the midst of all of that, wanting to help our kids feel, um, feel that sense of safety and connection is, is, is hard. So a lot of, a lot of it is um, the inner work we do to manage our own responses to it you know because it is scary what's happening right now and it is big like you said it's bigger than uh, anything we've seen and that could cause um that can cause us to uh, a lot of stress and um and when that stress leaks out to our kids then they and because they feel us then their stress gets amplified and so that's why you know in this in this time being able to have some kind of strategies and some kind of methodologies in place to help us with our stress is so important you know and uh and we can't it's not like we're i'm not talking about going to the spa but uh, but uh, you know things like meditation can really help um being really compassionate to ourselves when we make mistakes or things aren't going so well uh, reaching out to friends and, and talking with, with friends is really can be really helpful and leaning into our online communities is also a really helpful thing. Um, and finding the online resources that can be a good outlet for kids, too. I know there's a whole passel of resources. And um, I don't know. In, in my area, I'm in Northern California. They have a um, shelter-in-place order for the next three weeks. So by the time this episode comes out, um, we'll be a week or so into the shelter in place order. And um, I think if you're in an infected area in an area that's going through a similar type of a thing, um, I think it's important also to check out what that order really means. Um, in my area, we're still allowed to use utilize the parks and the trails. They ask us to um, walk up to six feet around people, and if we need to go out of the house, to stand six feet away from people. But if we need to get our kids out of the house and we're able to do so, then um, certainly going hiking or going walking um, and being careful to keep that 
safe space between yourself and other people and washing your hands as much as you can but recognizing that children feeling cooped up and feeling fear around them could be really manifesting a lot of those energies and so if we can keep them informed and understanding um, as much as we find age appropriate but also keep the banter and the talk and the sense of uncertainty at bay as much as possible and try to hold safe space for our children. Well, I think play is definitely one of the key components of staying connected and making it through this time for sure. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, <clears throat> and you know, like it, the different places have different restrictions and the amount you can can go out or not go out. But um, but it's really you know like explaining to kids uh, in a way that doesn't scare them but helps them try and understand is is challenging. You know, because we have to really get clear inside of ourselves. And one of the things that really helps in those moments when we're trying to explain things to kids um, is to as we're as we're talking to them and sharing information with them. Uh, is to really watch them closely and watch their reactions because wh and what I do when I'm when I'm working with kids and I've worked with kids a lot in my life um, when I'm working with kids and I'm sharing information with them that could be challenging I'm watching really closely for their reactions because if you watch closely when I say watch I mean with the eyes but also with like your intuitive sense um, with your uh, emotional intelligence you know like really watching their whole being and when you you can feel that when you say something, you can feel a shift in their in their energy. You can feel a shift in the way they carry themselves and the way that they're um, open to you or not, and the way uh, the the tension comes in or relaxation comes in, um, where their shoulders get tense or their or their body relaxes. And you can really feel that as you're talking. And so if you notice that that tension is coming in, then you can say, Ah, I have to adjust something in what I, in the way I'm presenting my message. And I do that all the time. I'm always watching and adjusting, watching and adjusting. When I'm talking to my kid, uh, and even now at 23, and I'm saying something and I notice that shift, I immediately, immediately will change mid-sentence, you know. And uh, even if it seems weird, I'm just going to change. I'm not going to, I don't feel committed that I have to finish every damn sentence, <laughs> especially if I can tell that it's going to cause some kind of uh, reaction in her that I don't want, you know. And so I think being really tuned into our kids and really present and watching that is, is something that can be so helpful during these times when we're having difficult conversations. That combination of, the combination of holding space for their feelings, um, sharing information, and also trying to help them feel comfortable and confident uh, and safe. And that's a, it's a tricky balance. None of us are ever gonna get it 100% right. Um, what counts is that we keep trying, we keep adjusting, and we keep uh, connected to them. I think something you said uh, makes a lot of sense to, uh, to Sujai that because of all the stuff that's going to happen, that we will see a different kind of behaviors come up from come from them, you know, because uh, like one of my favorite one liners, um, all my all my favorite one liners are ones I've written. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. I, yeah, yeah. Well, I won't say the best, but I like them the best. <laughs> and, and, and I do love them. And one of my favorite one liners um, which, by the way, if you're interested, um, uh, we do have a mug that has this on it, and it's really a beautiful um, mug. And 
uh, and and if you drink your coffee you can, in the mornings, you can remember it that way. Um, maybe we'll put a li- we'll put a link to it in the in the liner notes. Yeah, we can find that. You can find that at Gentle Parents Unite on bonfire.com. Yeah, we have a whole store there with um, all kinds of Gentle Parents Unite merchandise. It's um, we could certainly stand to add a few more designs, but we've got several mugs and some tote bags and some shirts. So head on over to bonfire.com and put in Gentle Parents Unite and we come up. Amazing. And they're great. Uh, they're great reminders. And the one liner that I love is kids are not acting out, they're reaching out. And um, when kids are when kids are acting out, you know, what we normally call acting out, uh, especially during these more intense times, especially when they don't have their normal outlets, um, it's really helpful for us to keep that in mind. One of the I did a live um, on on Facebook today, and one of the parents said that they actually put that saying on their whiteboard for the whole week, and they've been looking at it every day, um, and trying to really incorporate that mindset into their uh, in, into their routine. That so that every time their kids, it looks like they're acting out, they say it themselves. The kids are not acting out, they're reaching out. And if your kid is reaching out to you and you respond from that perspective, um, you know, everybody wins, really. Um, you know, if we, if we and, and it doesn't mean that you don't get triggered by it. It doesn't mean that. Your, your feelings are natural and valid, too. Um, what matters is when you do have ten, ten, tension feelings, upset feelings, triggered feelings from what your kids do, what matters is that you take um, responsibility, ownership for them, uh, and don't uh, and don't work them out on your kids or with your kids. You know, do that with your friends. Do that with your therapist. Do that with your journal. Do that by dancing. Um, do that by exercising. Do that through our Patreon. Yeah, that's right. Do that by joining our Patreon because we do. A, we have a wonderful support group where we work through that kind of stuff together. We do coaching calls and meditations and uh, and lots of like um, like this, lots of lots of broadcasts where we just talk in depth about different uh, aspects of gentle parenting and conscious parenting, and do that stuff so that so that um, and 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 recognize that that's how you're going to deal with it, so you don't dump that stuff on your kids, and then you can be really present so that when you see them acting out, you can remember they're actually reaching out and you can reach towards them, reach that hand of compassion. Reach that hand of understanding. Reach that hand of patience. You know, reach that hand of t- biting your I, I, biting your tongue. So I was telling someone that one of my primary parenting strategies has been biting my tongue, and I only have like seven percent of my tongue left. And uh, <laughs> and so. <laughs> oh, amazing! Uh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I like to say, take a step back. You know, know, when my mom teaches in the prison, she actually teaches, my mom teaches in a prison. Her name's uh, Shivani and she uh, does self-empowerment workshops in prisons. She's also one of the admins at um, Gentle Parents Unite, which is our public group. And she's also in the Patreon and supports us there and supports all the members there too. It's really, she's really an amazing being. And her, and she, she works in a prison. So those guys have like, very intense relationships with with their anger and with their triggers and she actually tells them to take literally to physically take a three steps back mm-hmm. Absolutely. She's, when you feel yeah she's a take a breath and take three steps back when you get angry and it makes and the ones that practice it they say it's amazing how much of a difference it makes because their body gets involved 
Uh-huh. And, you know, even giving yourself an extra second before you react is enough to catch your breath so that you can respond instead of react. Yeah. And have our, and have our, uh, have our responses be in alignment with our values and in alignment with our priorities, which is why I said before that, you know, um, making your, making your relationship with your kid, preserving that relationship as one of your highest priorities. Um, and then when you make the choice, when you, when you take that step back, you can think, what is, what is the decision I can make right now that's going to deepen our relationship and preserve our connection and preserve the trust? Um, and uh, which, is the, which is the decision I'm going to make that's not going to do that? And to be able to make that kind of decision, it really does require uh, taking that step and taking that moment. Mm-hmm. Yes, it certainly does. And oftentimes we have to um, adjust our sales, which is one of my favorite one-liners. <laughs> I know someone quoted you on that today, actually. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know what they were talking about at first. I said, what? Sujai's adjusting her sales? I don't understand. And then I was like, oh, that's her saying. She loves that. Yeah. 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 Adjust your sales. And mm. Go with the flow. Yeah, for sure. Adjust the sales. Take that step back. Take a breath. And in the midst of doing that, give yourself compassion for how hard all this is for you, too. You know? Because then when you give yourself that kind of compassion and you give yourself the same understanding and grace that we're trying to give our kids, um, because you're on a learning path as well, and they're on a learning path as well. And if we can, we can recognize that, we can all be learning together. We're all holding this stress together. Um, and it's not going to be it's not going to be easy. Uh, and that's why, you know, fostering a deep relationship is one of the most powerful things we can do to help us get through this time, really. Uh, more important than uh, I always say it's more important than any practical concern. And if we can really get our minds around that, because so much of society wants us to pay attention to those practical concerns and put relationships second. And I have made a huge effort over the last 20 something years to put relationship first in every interaction. And, uh, and because of that, my daughter and I have this relationship where we really see each other deeply, really, uh, you know, support each other deeply. And, uh, and she shares her wisdom with me as much as I share it with her now that she's 23. You know, we really learn from each other and we learn together. Um, and you can start that, starting that process early with your kids, especially in a time like this, is going uh, to be so powerful. So, um, Sujai, did you want to add anything else to this uh, topic before we uh, sign off for, for today? Um, no, I think that's a really wonderful place to end it for today is... Um, Leaning into the relationship in all aspects. Yeah, yeah, it'll make a huge difference. Um, so thank you very much, everybody, for listening. I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, this is the Gentle Parents Unite podcast. We put out a podcast every week. Please subscribe and please share it with people. And, uh, and consider checking out uh, our public group, which is Gentle Parents Unite on Facebook. Our Patreon, which is patreon.com. Um, forward slash gentle parents unite and as sujai mentioned we also have a bonfire store bonfire.com and you can just type in gentle parents unite and there's quite a bit of uh, really inspirational merchandise there and we're going to be adding more stuff and you can also check out my my personal page which is meaningful ideas and my meaningful ideas um, youtube page which has over 50 videos youtube channel which has over 50 videos on all on gentle parenting and conscious parenting and it can really, it's all uh, such so much information uh, and support for you. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you.